I'll share with Dr. Dave podcast. This is your facilitator, Dr. Dave Cornelius. Now Share with Dr. Dave is streamed on grokshare.com and broadcasted on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. I want to encourage everyone to find their awesomeness. It is a choice. Let's begin your learning experience to achieve your awesomeness. Hey, welcome to the Agile for Humanity uh, Tucson Meetup. Uh, this is a webinar series, so once a month, we get together you know, virtually. Sometimes we may meet in person in, in Tucson, Arizona, and we just provide different topics. It could be about agility. It could be about lean startup. Um, it may be about other interests that people may have. Um, so we do this once a month. We record it, and we share it out. Uh, my name is Dr. Dave Cornelius. I'm your facilitator. And we've been at this now for about a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, I just want to let you know the series is recorded. So we shared this back with the Agile Alliance and they published it with their newsletter. Um, it's also published on my podcast. It's just now share with Dr. Dave, which is at grokshare.com. And it's also found on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And we also share it back in social media channels as well. Um, we always like to share upcoming events because that's really important stuff to us. And, um, so we know that May 11th through the 13th of 2020, we have the Global Scrum Gathering in New York. Um, it is also in June through July, we have five Saturdays 2020 STEAM program in Tucson. And it's probably going to, it's also going to be in California as well. And we'll keep you posted to um, what that is and, and more information around what's happening. And then the big Agile 2020 conference in Orlando, Florida is July 20 through 24th. So every month we provide an update of different events that are taking place, whether it's an Agile conference or I think this one that I've missed for March, which is the business agility um, event that's taking place in New York. And I'll add that later on, but every month we'll give an update to what's going on. Um, our sponsors right now is the Agile Alliance, Scrum Alliance, and NalShare.org, which is you know my company that helps to uh, put this on, you know every month. I'm coming up in February, um, so February we're going to talk about education in the age of agility. Um, this is where we talk about high schoolers and and what are we doing for the future. Um, I just want to encourage people to let you know that. Um, you could also send me emails or, or said, hey, I, I have a topic that I want to share and I'm passionate about. And so you could also participate in this process as, a, uh, as, as an actual presenter, right? I mean, so this is open as, as a community that we could share information if there's something that you're passionate about that you'd like to share. Um, I just want to let everyone know that there's a, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says cold-blooded because there's a, the, the the hack the hack um, Arizona event that's going on at the University of Arizona uh, for this weekend and I was just there last night and probably go back there today and tomorrow to see you know several hundred um, developers producing some cool stuff so there's just lots of good stuff that's happening out there in the world and we're here to bring that as much as we can um, to everyone who's listening. Um, our presentation today is called Business Agility Portfolio, Selecting the, business, the Highest Business Value. Uh, my name is Dr. Dave, and I am going to be your presenter today. And 
basically, let's just jump in. Let me get out of here and bring up the presentation. And we're just going to get started. Okay. So some of the things we're going to talk about in terms of topics, um, we're going to talk about the biz environment, where we live in, um, how strategies influence portfolio, a little bit about what is portfolio, a few roles, we'll talk about intake and governance, and portfolio delivery mindset. So I'm going to put on a timer because I don't want to go too long. And, and people get mad at me like, hey, man, you're not uh, taking care of your time box. So I would assume that um, this is from 10 to about 11.30. So I'm going to probably, so we have enough time, just blank this for one hour, right, starting now. Um, so I may get through all of the slides. If I don't, what I'll do is share the deck um, so you could actually um, download the deck and it will be shared at grokshare.com and, and on the podcast site. So I will send that out to everyone so they could have access to that. Um, the objectives that we want to get across in terms of learning, um, we want to understand how do we think about business priority and make sure that we could select, um, make portfolio selection uh, based on, on different requests and how we approve those things. So we may get through some of that today, but I just want to make sure that we cover the foundational stuff, um, especially around strategies and about intake process and some of the tools that you could use um, to make better decisions in, the, in your organization. So the world we operate in today, you know, we, we're thinking about it's, it's really competitive, and we have to suit up each day to compete and thrive. It's, it's not an easy thing anymore like it was in the past. So, um, you know, we have to be ready. We live in a VUCA world where we say that we're very volatile. We have a lot of uncertainty, um, complexity, and ambiguity. Um, there's many organizations who are being disrupted today because, you know, we, we are in the, in the age of software. We're in the age of, of digital. So there's the great opportunities for startup companies to come in and disrupt the incumbent, right? The big companies that are out there. And there are things that we have to be very mindful of as a business. And how do we continue to thrive and be successful in, in what we've done? Um, when you think about it, is that the context of businesses used to last somewhere about between 75 years. Now it's 20 years or less. I mean, that's the life of a business in this book one third of what it used to be almost right less than one third so um, just having that type of research available gives us a context that we have to be mindful of the, the space that we live in so the work and the things that we select to work on should be of our highest priority to enable us to achieve uh, business agility business agility so what is business agility um, I tend to think of it in a lean context and talk about optimizing the whole as opposed to sub-optimization. Um, so I also think that it's an influence in the organization to engage in certain behaviors and practices. So we, we think about practice servant leadership throughout the entire enterprise. Um, make sure we could encourage emergent leadership that people, different people in the organization could step in and add value um, optimizing flow in the organization so that we could remove impediments and to minimize the number of wastes. We want to maximize the value 
um, that we could bring to the organization. And we want to embrace continual learning. So I think of business agility in one context of behavior and change and the way we work together. However, when you think of business agility, it's beyond IT. Today, when we use the context of, of Agile and its practices, in most cases, we're talking about agility uh, from an IT perspective. And so some, I want to just take a step back and said, let's describe what Agile is. And to me, the way I describe it is that Agile is intentionally responding to change caused by opportunities and threats. And those changes are satisfied by delivering measurable outcomes that can be realized and shared. And so if you're in the Agile space, you would always hear people talk about inspect and adapt. But this context just broadened that just a little bit more to talk about as a business, what are we doing to deal with opportunities and threats? And how do we really talk about satisfying change? Because that's the thing that many different um, org organizations internally and externally are asking us to do, change something for us so we could get some value. So business agility is also beyond IT and it includes the entire organization. So when I talk about optimize the whole, I'm talking like, let's bring HR into the conversation and finance and sales and marketing and train other operations as well. So they're part of the business agility journey. And it's not just limited to IT because then we're truly sub-optimizing the organization hmm. and not allow true value to be realized by everyone. Hey, Dave. Uh, yep. a, a quick thing here. You're, I don't know if it's, the maybe mine or I hear kind of a buzzing going on. I don't hear that on my side. Yeah, uh, and it may be, it might be your Bluetooth. I don't know. It may not be, but just thought I'd bring it up. Okay. Um, yeah, I I could hear you clearly. I could hear me clearly, um, and it could be maybe I'm not sure, but but okay. you know, really appreciate that. Um, so one more. Let's see who who's that. Someone in the chat, okay. There's a mic pickup issue for me as well. So if everyone could just go on mute, um, um, then that would be helpful. Okay. And hopefully my, my Bluetooth isn't being too crazy. Okay, sorry about that, but um, I'm not sure what else I could do to satisfy that, but uh, let's see, get back here. Um, activating strategy. So um, when, I, when I look at Build to Last, looking at Jim Collins and, and Jerry Porras, um, they were talking about when we're building a vision for, for our organization, right? Um, where we have to have about 99% more alignment, right? And 1% vision. So when we think about strategies, we're trying to connect the organization strategies with portfolio um, so we could look at the highest value initiatives that we have to execute um, in the organization. Um, so when it, defining strategy, so the context of strategy is the creation of a unique and valuable position. Um, there's trade-offs, we can't do everything, right? We have to figure out what's, what's the best fit um, amongst the organization activities. And so one of my favorite uh, 
authors, we think of Sun Tzu from the, the, the book in The Art of War. He talks about strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory and tactics without strategy is the noise, the noise before defeat. So we do need strategy, but we also need some tactic, tactical activities to realize those strategies as well. And, and so the, the, the strategies that in, influence like our portfolio positions, right? So there's many things that will begin to, to move us in a certain direction and, and ask us to make certain decisions. So we could start with that we have um, a competitive landscape that's going to influence how we create strategies for our organization. Uh, we may look at our mission, our vision, mission, and core values. Um, also value proposition. These are the innovations that we're thinking about. Um, our financial position, how much money do we have, right? Which would also impact the level of strategies. Um, are, what type of budgets that we have per departments. And so that would begin to drive some of the portfolio positions that we will take and also how we're gonna invest in our portfolios because that gets us to the value delivery execution at the very far end, right? So we have many different inputs into our enterprise strategies, you know, helping us to define exactly where do we go. And, and so I adopted this um, from um, this book called Beyond Entrepreneurship, Turning Your Business into a Great Enduring Company. Um, so, you know, I like to make sure that everything that we present, most of the things that I present, whether it's my idea or I tap into other germinal works that we could use to, to really validate some of the concepts that we're talking about. So, you know, strategies are just not things that we just dream up. We, we have to look what's happening outside, what's happening inside, how much money we have, what are the value propositions so that we can start to select uh, and start to influence our portfolio in a certain way so we could get to, to execution, uh, you know, of the work that we're doing. Um, so when I think of strategic position also, I think it has to be customer centric. Right? I mean, so our strategy should be viewed in, in terms of customers. And it may be that we're targeting special needs of a subset of all of our customers at a certain point. Um, and those activities are designed around the customers that we have. And we have to make trade-offs, right? Because we have to figure out if we have five different strategic uh, positions, which one is the highest priority? And how do we make those decisions? So when you think of a company like um, Southwest Airlines, right, one of the, the key things of their strategic position is that they serve um, <coughs> price and convenience sensitive travelers. I mean, that's their focus. And it is one of the things that have made them super successful um, in the process, right? Um, so not only do we have to have an understanding of some of those strategic positions, but we also think about how do we make those strategic positions? How do we know? Um, because most of the things that we come up with with strategies, they're really a hypothesis. And it's a hypothesis because we don't know if they're gonna work right off the bat. We're hypothesizing about, yeah, this might work. This is what our ideas are. This is what the market is saying. But until we get, in, get involved with execution, and begin to measure that, measure the 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 outcome of the the execution itself. We really don't know, right? So we have to think of this as a hypothesis. So we talk 
think about how can we use a, a practice called objectives and key results, OKR, as help us to, to really identify what the objectives are, what key results are, and what counts we have. Um, OKR actually started, um, the company that really made this really famous was, was Google. Um, and some executives um, who, who came from uh, Intel um, actually came up with OKRs, you know, as part of their practice. So it is something that's been around for a while. A lot of large organizations have used it uh, as a way to, to define, you know, what are the objectives that we have for our strategy and what are the key results? So when we, the, the components of it is like, what are the objectives, the strategic position or themes that drive the, the portfolio future state? What are the results, the measurable outcomes? Right? And they, they recommend two to five key results for strategic position. And then there's a con confidence factor, zero, 0 0.1 to 0 0.9. You can just think of it at 10% to 90% um, in terms of the confidence factor. So some example is that we have like Southwest Airlines, you know, they serve pricing sensitive, um, convenience sensitive travelers. So they may want to increase customers by 10% by Q3 of some of 2020, right? And they have a high confidence, 70% that they could achieve that. Um, maybe build a marketing funnel that is con con conversational with customers, right? So that we're improving the engagement um, with the customers to reduce cart abandonment from 60% down to 10, right? Because one of the things that you have in, in, in any e-commerce side, there's lots of abandonment of, of products in the cart. So what is the confidence of that? But also another objective could be to increase customer loyalty for the Agile online course catalog and then increase the key results. We'll look at the net promoter score um, to see exactly, um, you know, from 55% to 75%. And there's a confidence of 40%. So you can see that we could start setting up measures to, to look at our, um, to, to look at the hypothesis of our strategies. Okay, so now I have a simple poll that we're going to, to run and I, I wanna see if you guys are paying attention. You know, uh, so let me bring that up really quickly. Where's my Zoom? Okay, so polling. Okay, so I'm gonna launch this poll and when we're gonna allow you to vote. And then you guys could go in and, and just answer, um, what does the strategic position or theme describes? And you should have access to this um, through Zoom and through your Zoom interface. And we could just pretty much give, make sure that you could uh, vote. Which one, A? you know, viewed in custom in terms of customers, B, viewed in terms of the business, C, builds better customer relationship, or D, gives a peace of mind. Do we have one answer, two, 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 four? Anyone else is responding to, to, we'll give another maybe 30 seconds and then we'll just give the answer and move forward. Ah, three.
Okay. So it seems like three of the four people, you know, 75% voted to that it's be viewed in terms of the business. So it's interesting that strategic position or themes are really viewed in terms of customers. The answer is really A. And because that's what really drives our business, right? It's customers. Um, when we think of that, we're, we're thinking, well, how, how, do we, how do we really build what's right for the customer so that we could generate revenue? And it's not just a business-driven context. Because oftentimes when we say business-driven, so that it's not just internal, we're looking external to, uh, to gather insights. So the answer is really A, it's viewed in terms of customers. Sorry for the trick question. And I kind of set it up that way. Just all right. Let's keep moving, and we'll go back into our presentation. Uh, that so let's talk about what what is a portfolio, right? And and when I think of portfolios, I'm thinking of a range of investments uh, held by a personal organization. That's what a portfolio is. So. Many of us have a portfolio, right? I mean, so we may have some stocks, we have some real estate, we may buy into some com commodities, maybe we may hold some patents, right? And, and this portfolio represents the investments that we're making with a hope that it's going to give us a return, right? A return of investments for our organization. Um, when we talk about the portfolios for organization, oftentimes it's, hey, we're going to build some mobile apps to help us um, really reach customers in a different way or make sure their interactions and their experience with, with us is a, a lot less friction, a lot less friction with that. Maybe there's a social media campaign that we have to put out there because we have to meet, connect with uh, millennials as a new market segment. Uh, maybe it's a new healthcare plan that we're putting out for seniors. Um, IT service management, uh, uh, IT service management um, in, in terms of how we work operationally to bring um, DevOps into our organization to make sure we can have better flow from when we build software or products and get those to market. But it's also new cloud pl platforms that we may want to get involved with to make sure that um, we reduce kind of like the, the burden of having huge IT investments and maintenance. So we kind of push most of that out into the cloud. Um, as well as cybersecurity. So these are some of the, the investments that organizations may make, and there's many more. These are just samples, right, uh, that any business unit in the organization may want to bring in as part of the portfolio itself and, and the discussion around that. So portfolio have influencers, right? And these are the opportunities and threats that may happen internally and externally, because if you're looking at the business activators or influencers at the very top, right? You know, customers is number one always, internal or external, right? Who has something that they need. There's some change that they're requesting or they're providing some feedback. You have competition who's also gonna, who's gonna affect the dynamics of your organization. You have regulatory, that if you work in an organization that has FDA compliance, um, you have to satisfy those or you may shut down your business. Also innovation, new innovation from the outside as well as new innovation from inside your organization will influence change and provide certain level of feedback. And five is market dynamics. Uh, when I think of market dynamics, you know, the price of, of oil 
just went up by $50. Well, that's going to impact many things in the economy as, and, and the social fabric of, of what's taking place, right? Because, um, you know, if, if the, the price of oil go, goes up, that means transportation cost is increased, which may impact, you know, the whole entire ecosystem a business cycle. So if we read it from, you know, in, you know, clockwise, you can see that these business influencers are always asking us to make some change or they're providing some feedback to us. And then, you know, and this comes into a business functional area. So whether it's product development, customer service, IT, finance, HR, operations, marketing, sales, uh, these changes and feedback are coming in here that where that's going to force us to, to say, hey, we have some requests for change. We want to need some money to, to uh, provide some investment um, so that we could satisfy the needs of our customers or these influencers. So you can see that each one of these business functional areas may have a budget that comes into our Agile portfolio leadership team. And they may also have some strategic position or themes that are coming in here to satisfy our customers. So the Agile portfolio leadership team itself, um, I'm making this up. And so you could, you, at least you would have someone like a PMPO architect um, and some other business people who are participating as part of that team to help make those decisions. And they, they, they'll, there's an actual formal process that we'll describe today um, that helps us deal with the intake process. So the answer could be, yes, we'll give you money. It may be no, we won't give you money, on, or maybe not now, uh, later on. So this also helps us to provide feedback to the requesters of change, you know, where, hey, we could satisfy your request or, you know, so what, we've just failed you, we're unable to do that, and here's the reasons why um, around that. Um, let's do another poll. I wanted to see if we were paying attention to our activators and, and influencers. So let's go in here and bring up another poll. And so here's the poll. Which of the following are portfolio activators or influencers? Is it customers, competition, regulatory, um, innovation, market dynamics, or so all of the above? Give a few, about 30 more seconds. I see 75% of you have um, responded. Um, Awesome. So yes, the, the, the answer is F, all of the above, where all of you know customers, competition, regulatory innovation, market dynamics are really the portfolio activators and influencers. Um, so that's the correct answer. So once we're, if we're doing portfolio, right, we have to have some people who are going to help us, oops, um, actually manage the portfolio, 
make sure we could deal with the intake process, what to deal with governance. And so this is a little, this is a deviation from what, from uh, traditional portfolio management, because most portfolio management is either done through a PMO and they have a portfolio manager. I'm looking at this strictly from a lean and, and uh, agile context. And so the roles that are involved is that we'll have a product owner, product manager who's really involved with prioritizing the customer requests so that they could really maximize product value. This is a, the consistent with agility of having a product owner um, or product manager to, to help you know, through the process of working with customers, as opposed to creating this new role that has to um, have this other layer of management involved, which we probably don't need. So we can leverage a product manager or product owner uh, to do that. Also, human-centered design, you know, um, we're, we're starting to place users and activities at the center of our process. Um, this is a, 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 a new context. So if we don't understand the, the requests and the customers, that we could go out there and, and do things like, you know, do we have a persona for this customer? Um, have we done any level of interviews? Um, do we understand their journeys? Um, and, and really to, to, to gather that information before we start making decisions um, around the portfolio itself or the portfolio item and the request. Important is, is also Agile Culture Scrum Master. So there's, they're involved with integration um, and in helping to orchestrate that and also to remove impediments and keep things moving as, as part of the team. And then we also need an enterprise or system architect who's going to help us with technology and platform guidance and prototypes. Um, we're, we're living in the age of software. Um, most, of, most companies who are thriving are moving more into a digital context. So these four roles will work together to help us take an intake by any of the influencers or people within an organization to help us move things forward. Um, so the human-centered design itself is part of design thinking. And so we're bringing design thinking at the forefront of portfolio so we can start to think about the customer upfront, right? As, as opposed to here's a business idea. Well, here's a, an idea that's generated by customer demands. Right, and, and we can start to build the, the, the guardrails or the parameters around what makes sense to, to select and accept an, an item in. Uh, so let's look at intake and governance and what is the, the greatest value? Because uh, um, this is really important in, in, in the process to make sure that we, we understand what's coming in and how do we actually manage that? Oftentimes, you know, so people submit work, submit a request, there's some need for review, um, feedback, and then we have to decide what's going to be accepted uh, into the portfolio so that we can move that into execution, right? So there's also always an intake flow and review that's taking place. Um, sometimes this could be submitted via a, a form um, that's that's off of a specific area in the site, or you know, if we're still living in, in the days of old, you know, some people may come in with a printed document. But for the most part, it, it's much better if we could use a tool, something like Jira, or um, that we could set up a request, you know, in in that way to to make sure that we have 
um, a way of tracking that information. Uh, we could set up with something as simple as a portfolio intake form. Um, and this is sometimes if the organization is brand new, we could say, hey, you know, who's requesting, you know, the information? Um, who's the sponsor um, for, for this organization? Which business unit um, is making the request? You know, why is it important to the organization? Um, we provide a short description of what that is. And so the third thing is, what's the initiator or trigger that's causing the need for this request? How critical is it? You know, when do we need this by? Right, because every organization, if it's a regulatory item and we have it, we need to have this done before the end of the year, it's important that everyone is aware um, of, of when, that, when that change is required. Um, what type of risk is involved um, that we're reducing by by taking this by taking on this request and also opportunity enablement and this comes from um, Donald Reinenson his view of cost of delay this is an element um, that needs that that comes from his um, book um, the product flow and then also we're talking about what customer jobs to be done yeah, and, and this is from Clayton Christensen's book um, looking at the concept of what jobs customers have to be done, right? He's the guy who came up with disruptive innovation. And so we're, we're looking at things from a very customer pr perspective. And maybe we could hypothesize around, you know, what's the payback? When do we think that by taking this, this opportunity that, is, that we could figure this out? And we could use this with objective and key results that we used before that we described earlier as a way to have a better understanding of how we will measure the request itself. So um, a portfolio funnel is, is how the work will flow into the organization. And so I, there's, in my opinion, there's four, four different decision options that we have. We could, we could invest, we could continue with something that's existing, we could change, or we could stop, right? So the request for change uh, as you can see, it is, it's all the actual influencers and activators that we spoke about earlier in terms of customers, competition, market dynamics, market regulatory or innovation itself. So as that, those items come in as a request, we have to evaluate and decide. And we can use a simple backlog like Kanban or something like that, or a tool like that to, to house that information so we could evaluate and decide what to do with that work. So we could say, hey, we're not going to do anything about it. We're going to stop. Otherwise, I need you to go and modify this. Otherwise, we'll invest, right? As you can see, stop, change, or invest. The decision options by the team that we have put together who's making decisions and analysis around portfolio. Um, we could also do a design that if, if, if it's, yes, we're going to invest so then we can get into the design build test mindset of the work that we're doing. So as we're going through and we have our short iterations um, to, to evaluate, let's say once a month, we get together and look at the portfolio of items. We, we still have those decisions that we're going to stop this work because we don't think it's the market no longer needs this work and we need to stop it because this, this is an opportunity cost. Um, do we need to change what we're doing because there's a, sh a shift in the customer request or market dynamics? 
okay, maybe it needs additional investment to really meet a certain objective, or we will continue um, with that work itself. And so this is a continual cycle. It could go, go on for you know, several sprints, which is normally two weeks, or it may go on for several months. Um, so after you're done with the design, build, test, then you're in the deploy and release cycle, which is also part of DevOps, and we still have decisions to be made. You know, should we stop and not put this in production at all? Um, you know, should we change, you know, what's going into production? And, and so we could have uh, what we call feature flags, and this has been a bit more technical than I probably should be, but feature toggles or feature flags just says we should turn a feature on or off if it were in a technical context and continue move this into our, our as, as a release to our customers. But we also need to think about some of these, you know, products that we're building that at some point we're going to get to a retire obsolescence stage, right? That's part of the, the portfolio thinking that at some point this product is going to be needed and we have to figure out how to, you know, stop and make that come to an end. There's a balance for portfolio. Um, one thing that happens often is that most people in the product management organization always want to build new, right? And, and I think there's three contexts that we have to look at. You know, what do we need that is new? What do we need that's sustained? And when I speak of stability, I'm talking about defects, upgrading our, our infrastructure and things like that, that we have to have a balance um, and a, a great diversity between new ideas, sustaining, which is to keep the lights on, and the stability needs, you know, make sure they're all satisfied. So we could have a simple portfolio balance that says we're going to spend 60% of our time with sustaining. Think about cars. Um, cars are normally in that sustaining mode. Um, every now and then you'll find something that's rev revolutionary, like a Tesla. Um, that's come on board. And then, but for the most part, also there's defects, right? There's just defects that happens with any products that we build and we have to be in a, in a place to take care of that. So, you know, we see recalls happening frequently with, with cars, with different cars that we have to be in the stability context. The same thing with any software products that we produce. So we have to have a portfolio balance as we go through and we're building stuff to satisfy our customers. If we spend too much time in new, that that means that you know that we're we're not sustaining. And the only time that you spend, if if you're spending a great amount of time in new, oftentimes that could also be a signal that this is a brand new product that's coming to market. Right? We're building something new that's not already there. But oftentimes, when when you're finished with the new context, you're, then you're into sustaining and stability. So there's a balance that takes place that. Um, the organization needs to agree upon, you know, um, throughout as we're, we're proceeding. Um, this is uh, another way that we could describe, we, you know, call it also a request. This is another way to look at it, right? I mean, if we look at it strictly from an agile context, um, we're, we're talking about an epic. And I just think of epics as being these containers or um, a huge user story, you know, and you can't deliver it as it is within a single iteration. It's really large and it needs to be split into small features and user stories. 
Hey Dave, oh, could we yes. also look? Could we also consider these being maybe what we might call experiments? Yes. Too, right. Yes. Yes. These are right, and that's why I use the term. That's correct, Paul. That's why I use the term hypothesis. Um, and I probably should have put it up here as well. But yes, a hypothesis is an experiment. So you're very correct, my friend. All right. Um, so thank you for that. This structure itself, where it came from, even though we call it the this epic hypothesis statement, um, when I went to B school, uh, business school, this was called the product positioning statement. So it's been around for a long time. Uh, I mean, remember you were going to product management training. Um, as early as 15 years ago, and it was the product placement statement or product positioning statement that we used to describe products that we're bringing to market. So we're, we're talking for a specific customer, you know, who the is like, unlike our, our solution, um, um, in terms of what this statement is looks like. And you would say, well, who creates this? Oftentimes, we could change the request, we could train the requester to produce this statement, but we could use the product manager, product owner, who's part of the, the evaluation team to create this information. Um, there's some hypotheses that we may look at um, in terms of what we think may be the outcome. So I'm using, uh, there's a, a way we could define user stories or stories with, with a specific structure. Um, it's, it's called like the hypothesis um, hypothesis-driven statement. So this statement, we can say, we believe this capability will result in this or these outcomes. And we will know when we see this measurable signal. So we could use this structure, and that's why this may be better suited for a product manager, product owner to complete and partner uh, with, with someone making the request. Um, looking at some leading in indicators um, in, in terms of, you know, how we're going to grow in our sales pipeline or any new website purchases. So we start to if the, um, describe the actual piece of work that we're asking for. And I'm all, also look at system performance requirements. So um, some other frameworks may call this non-functional requirements. I, just, I, I believe that it's better to talk about system performance requirements because people could understand that better. Non-functional requirements are very nebulous to most people unless you work in IT. So you can just see that we could talk about, yeah, we want our pages to respond within two seconds of, of some of the ask. So this is another way of how we could define the work that's coming in. Um, and this could be done by the product owner, product manager. There's a container, right? And so we could use a Kanban board to, to make sure that we manage the flow of work and make sure that it's all visible. And there are many tools that you could use online um, to, to make sure that everyone in your organization, whether they're in the same building or they're distributed you know, across the globe, everyone has visibility um, into the work. Um, the typical things, um, I just pulled this as a, a great images, but we could start as a backlog over here. And then these are the things that we have to do in progress to verify and done, but we could change the labels in accordance to um, the governance flow or the portfolio flow that we want to have um, take place. Right, and so when you, what is a Kanban really? You know, it, it really when we think of Kanban, it really just means signal card. Um, it came from um, the, port, the Toyota portfolio, uh, uh, the Toyota productions, um, where they would 
pretty much have this card and each of the station machines to, to manage inventory. The first use of, of, um, of portfolio, I mean, of, of Kanban boards, and we have adapted it to make sure that is visible, that we can start to see um, the work that's that's flowing through the organization, especially for portfolio, because um, oftentimes, we, you know, we're working in an organization, we have no clue. As, oftentimes, it's not shared with us, so we don't have a clue as to you know why we're doing things. We're saying let's make this visible for everyone to see, um, and now we could talk about here are the business initiatives that we're working on, the demands then for change, and here's the prioritization for that. Um, it just provides a great visual context of the, the work progress and you know what to what to approve what we're doing and what we have done so you could even use these as labels uh for the product it's, um, for describing what's in the, the kanban or the portfolio uh, itself i believe there's a mindset um to, to be in a portfolio delivery mindset um and and so michael porter he talks about the essence of strategy is choosing what not to do, right? Because oftentimes we want to do everything, and this gives us an opportunity to do only what's really necessary and what's going to give us the greatest value to the organization. Um, I think of portfolio that there's a bunch of tenets and purposes that we can look at when we're, we're thinking about portfolio and what brings value to the organization. So we, we want to think about alignment. Alignment throughout the organization, um, transparency. Everyone knows exactly these, what business initiatives are there and what value they're going to provide to the organization. Clarity that these are, are well described uh, for everyone to understand. That we have people that are engaged to, to participate and get the work done. There's some level of governance that helps us understand how we validate and and analyze and make decisions. Um, there's a bunch of collaborative decisions that are taking place um, in the organization. We have measurable outcomes. We understand what that is. Uh, we want to limit work in progress because oftentimes, even though we have a portfolio, most people want to do everything. And I'm saying, let's only do the things that add the greatest value to the organization and allow us to thrive and grow. And we have to limit those zombie initiatives. Oftentimes, these are projects that are people's pet projects. And everyone's, everyone wants to hang on to those for as long as they can. Um, I think also part of the mindset for portfolio is I want to bring in the Scrum empirical pillars that we start talking about transparency, inspection, and adaption. Right. So by using a Kanban board, that's one tool that we could use to make sure work is visible to those responsible for the outcome. Um, that we have this process of inspection. Um, to make sure that we're moving toward our goals or we can make changes right as, as part of our, our governance pr process and that we're, we're adapting as, as needed so well, when we talk about the decision for for the flow we're, we're looking at you know do we want to stop this um, do we want to in, invest in it do we want to change it or do we want to continue so that's part of uh, you know, enhancing what's going on with the empirical uh, pillars and using the Scrum empirical pillars as another tool, uh, you know, to, to, for our, to help um, improve our mindset. Uh, there's just specific uh, portfolio goals, right? So we want to make sure that there's an alignment with the organization objectives and so that we could prioritize the most valuable and critical activities. We, so things are, 
we want to just do this really quickly, right? Of, of providing high value work without interruptions. And so we could inspect and adapt the work through. So um, we want to make sure this fast delivery and quick feedback to increase customer delight, right? Because that's the whole thing. Customer delights generate loyalty, generate revenue. Um, it helps keeps our, our business alive so we can continue to thrive. So simple process of where we're selecting the highest priority. We del deliver that work. And there's a feedback loop that's taking place between our customers, the market, um, and the people who are involved with building the greatest value for the organization. Um, I, I took this from Deming. We're talking Deming's cycle of of, um, of improvement, and so the mindset also is that we have a plan, do, inspect, adapt mindset. Um, we start to when, as as Paul called out that these are experiments or hypo, or as I call them hypotheses, right? We're starting to identify what might happen and not what must happen, right? Because we have the option to stop and pivot at any point in time. Um, we want to make sure that we could do as many high quality outcomes at a sustainable pace without killing ourselves or killing the team and expanding all of our resources and people. As we're going through and we're inspecting, we evaluate the impediments affecting the flow of work. And so we could adapt. All right. And so we have this great authority to make changes as, as necessary, right? Um, it's, it's something that empowers the organization so that we could make decentralized decisions as opposed to always flowing things to decisions that could be done on, in a local level um, in the process. Um, also, just lean innovation, right? So we start with a, a, a hypothesis that we have an idea, we're going to experiment. Or, or for, for that hypothesis, you know, I built an increment and I validated, did it work, right? This is where we use um, OKRs, did it work? You know, here's the objective, here was the key results, here's our, our um, level of confidence that that really worked as we had planned. Because oftentimes when you think about it, uh, many people, sales, marketing comes in, we're gonna make $10 million in this opportunity. And oftentimes we never, why well, wouldn't say I shouldn't use the term never but often we do get a feedback of if we actually did meet 10 million or was it 1 million all right and that could take a little bit more time than one year to, to get that information but just imagine if, if we could start to see the trickle in uh we we did this portfolio item and you know in six months we made two million you know nine months we made an additional one million and you could start to see the growth of the work, you know, that gives tre tremendous value uh, to the people who are involved with building um, the product itself, but also to the organization, because we have a certain amount of transparency um, with the work that's that's taken place. Um, and so that's it for me um, in, in terms of, um, we have about 13 minutes left. I wanted to, to um, leave some time just in case we had some questions, we want to have dialogue. Um, among ourselves, just not just questions for me, but maybe things that you want to to contribute. So, um, my company is knowledgeshare.org. Um, we're involved with providing coaching training. We do lean biz startup, lean and agile online courses, agile org, digital transformation strategy, and diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching. And so, our mantra is to help people achieve awesomeness. And so we do have a journey in, in terms of how we help people to get there. 
And with that, um, before we get into our Q&A, um, you could go out to our website at thenalshare.org. Um, you could tweet with us at, at nalshare, and you could reach out to me at customercare at nalshare.org. And I will send out, if you go to grackshare.com, um, the link to where this, uh, this webinar, the recording is, but also, you know, Agile Alliance will share this out to the greater population or the greater community that, that they have. Um, and so with that, I am just going to see uh, if we have any questions, anything that we want to share. Um, I should probably stop sharing because I don't need to anymore. And so if, if there are any conversations that we want to have, that's cool. Otherwise, um, you know, I'll give you back some time to enjoy the rest of your Saturday, right? Anything, let's see, I didn't give Ray, let me give Ray an opportunity to allow to talk. I didn't, so, all right. So everyone has, if you want to unmute and you want to have a discussion, awesome. If not, that's cool. Too. Hey Dave, uh, Paul here again. Um, yeah. the, the next iteration around uh, value, do you have some, uh, <clears throat> way, I, I mean, maybe this is particular to each organization, but how do they, you know, how to connect, you know, value or calculate value, right? Some people yeah. look at that in, in uniquely in each organization or, or am I, you know, missing the boat there? Or what are some examples you've seen? Um, to, to calculate value? Um, that's a very good question because you know value is it's it's unique to each organization right and so uh, when i think about value we could we could talk about things in the context of revenue um we could talk about value in the context of um nps right the net promoter score you know looking at it from a customer centric context. You could even talk about value in terms of happiness for internal people who are working on things, engagement. So there's many different ways to, to look at value itself. And, and so oftentimes when I describe value, I, I am looking at it as a measurable outcome that can be realized and shared. That's my definition of what value is. All right. So whatever you, you think that measurable outcome is, you know, what is it? It's an, an, an promoter score or it's an ROI or it's um, a happiness in a score or, or we're looking at it from an engagement score as, as well. I mean, so that's the measurable outcome, right? That, that someone is deriving some value and it has to be realizable, right? And so we can get, look at um, the context of um, Maslow's, you know, hierarchy of needs, and at the very top is self-actualization, and so that's where the realizable come from. And the shareable context of it is that, you know, we're making it visible. Everyone has an opportunity to give feedback, you know, with that. So I hope that gives you um, some form of a context um, that's helpful. Um, it does. It yeah. is. Thank you, Dave. And. Uh, what, what I'm hearing you say is it's, it's not always about, it's not always about a dollar and cents, right? Yep. 
um, number or a ROI, right? Yep. Um, which a lot of times, I, I, when you use the reference of B school, right, we usually looked at business cases, um, right, and develop some sort of ROI there. Today, I think it's a, a little. There's more variables that are associated with it, right? And yeah, it, it, you, right. That's what I'm hearing you say. Thanks. It is, yeah. And and I look at oftentimes when I'm measuring. Um, an organization. I'm looking at progress. Um, I'm looking at defects or impediments, but I'm also looking at happiness and I'm looking at engagement um, as for context that I, I really want to think about. So not only we're looking at it in a very objective way about how many defects we have or um, you know how many items we produce or how much money we make, we also want to know um, you know do we have happy people in our organization because that's a very Cost, right? Every time we have to replace someone in the organization, that's expensive. So we want to keep people happy and engaged. And, you know, and happiness is not just about, you know, our emotions and how we feel. Happiness could be, and, and the way sometimes I put it is like, uh, let's look at Daniel Pink's, you know, talking about autonomy, mastery, and purpose. But also, can we look at it from the scrum values to say that people feel they're respected, they're making commitments, they have courage, right? I mean, as some of the scrum values that we could we could think about um, and, and apply that. So uh, there, there's just different ways of how we can measure this beyond just how much money we're, we're making always. Great, thank you. No, that's uh, I I uh, I agree with you and and. Um, it's uh, it it's also good to you know just hear how other people think about it sometimes yeah. right in this feedback yeah. loop so, so yeah. thanks yep uh, anyone else anything um anything else that anyone has in terms of ink questions um things that they want to discover things that you're curious about all right awesome. Um, so next month, we're going to talk about education in the age of, of um, agility. And so I will be, we'll have some guests who are principals at high schools, um, some teachers who are teaching agility. Um, I'll be there because I have a program called Five, the number five, Saturdays, um, org. And we also spend a lot of time helping students to learn we teach them about agile practices. Uh, we also teach them about lean startup, how to become entrepreneurs. And a key component is about building and looking for a job. So we're involved with that and other people who are very much in involved with how do we shape the future of work and the future of education. Um, so that's another thing that's happening next month. And if you know of other people who want to be in this webinar and have uh, 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 something they want to present, you know, that's okay too. I mean, because this is, we're just building a, a virtual community of people who could, who wants to, to chime in and, and has message in, you know, we have a platform that goes global. So, you know, join us. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Um, enjoy the rest of your Saturday and look forward to uh, speaking with you again soon. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. 
Hello, this is Dr. Dave Cornelius again. Thank you for listening. We hope you were able to add to your awesomeness journey with this learning experience to obtain new knowledge. We are grateful to those who support us. We would like to thank our sponsor, Nalshare, for the continued support for this podcast. Visit www.nalshare.org to achieve your awesomeness through agile coaching and training, digital transformation strategy, agile organization development, lean business startup, and diversity, equity, and inclusion coaching. Nalshare.org also provides online workshops for PDUs and SEUs to help you maintain your existing professional development certification and achieve new ones. We support lean thinking and agile life skills education through the Five Saturdays Agile Education Program. Visit www.the5saturdays.org to donate your time, money, and knowledge. That's www.5saturdays.org. Check out Dr. Dave's latest book, Prayers to My Abba Father God, on Amazon.com, a focus on prayer to enable spiritual growth. You will also find his books, Elastic Minds, What Are You Thinking? and Transforming Your Leadership Character, The Lean Thinking and Agility Way, on Amazon.com. Look for the Nalshare with Dr. Day podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. The Nalshare with Dr. Day podcast is streamed on grokshare.com. If you have any questions for Dr. Dave, reach out on Twitter at Dr. Cornelius Info or at Nalshare. Copyright 2019 Nalshare. Until next time, find your awesomeness. <laughs>